little known fact about me, I did win the Heisman Trophy. Couldn't tell by looking at me, but it I'm was quite con- athletic. It was a controversial year. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know, Considering I was one. I like uh, the running back, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff. Off to a great start here on CBS Sports Radio. We're doing better than Daniel Jones. May have jumped that open, but I didn't get sacked 11 times last night. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You jumped that open like Devin Witherspoon jumped <laughs> Daniel Jones's pass at the three-yard line uh, in the... Pick six. I don't know if I get seven for this or six, but anyway, uh, that was thorough. That was a thorough beatdown of two playoff teams from a year ago and one clearly going in one direction and another going in another direction. Now, we can start with the Seahawks, the team that I picked to win the NFC West, not anticipating the 49ers would look this good. Yeah. But to be honest, a team that looks like it's still on the ascent. And that Russell Wilson trade just keeps, it's the gift that keeps on giving because Witherspoon was one of the first-round picks that they used in that Russell Wilson trade. He was all over the field last night, not to mention Noah Fant scores one of only two touchdowns for the Seahawks. He was part of that trade, and Drew Locke had to come in and replace the Geno Smith for a drive and a half, and he was not terrible. So it's amazing to me that the Seahawks are recreating the Legion of Boom. You never, yeah. you never think history would repeat itself. One thing, the Legion of Boom was at a time when you could still hit guys over the middle. They had Cam Chancellor patrolling the middle at safety, I, I didn't think that that was repeatable. But here they are with Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon and Bobby Wagner is back and looks younger somehow <laughs> at linebacker. I know. It is, don't ask questions. It was incredible. But I don't know if I'm going to judge the Seahawks off of last night because the Giants made the Cowboys look like the doomsday D all over again. Yep. The Giants have a knack for making other teams look amazing. What I was a little bit worried about and why I'm not sure that I'm with you on the Seahawks winning the division, was their offense really explosive? I know Geno got hurt, and I know they didn't need to be at all. They have a good run game, and they can churn some games out. But are you really counting on Geno Smith to beat the Niners? Uh, No, uh, not yet. Yeah. But I, I do think that the commitment to the run game is something that always helps you throughout the season. Running backs can't get paid to save their lives, but man, are they important. And when you have Walker and you have Charbonnet, that one-two punch is obviously going to be, if they can stay healthy, is going to be fantastic. And then, you know, you did see some explosives going back a couple weeks ago against the Detroit Lions. Like, it's there. It's possible. Listen, don't forget, like, the Seahawks are playing with offensive linemen who are down also. They just did a much better job of compensating for it last night than the Giants, who Daniel Jones was basically smothered all night long. Well, the Seahawks, they got that pick six. They didn't really score many points. No. Uh, they, but they did churn it out with the running. It's also their line is a good uh, run-blocking line. Yeah. It's not just the running backs. But I, I don't see this team. It's so hard for me because the Giants are so inept. Oh. Uh, honestly, all the special teams penalties – Daniel Jones really not having one second. I just don't think this is a repeatable model. I think this was more of a uh, judgment on the Giants last night than the Seahawks being dominant. And I said the same thing after week one with the Cowboys. And then the Cowboys went and blew out the Jets in week two. And I said the same thing about the Cowboys. (laughs) I just think that sometimes we see these games early in the season. And it's very confusing because... A team like the Giants has no weapons. They don't have any receivers. They're not using Darren Waller. So the Seahawks were in such a good position to sort of rear back and and rush Daniel Jones all night. Is that going to happen moving forward? I don't know. Well, I'm not encouraged. And the thing is about Daniel Jones, and this is what I said from the beginning. I know we have a little bit of a new audience here, so we're getting caught up on sort of where we fall on a lot of these quarterbacks. And my thought on Daniel Jones was, who's the real guy? 
Is mm. it the guy you saw the first couple years of his career who was not reliable, who didn't have the internal clock, who was always under duress, turning the ball over, fumbling, all that stuff? Or is it the guy who in a contract year, when the offense got simplified to a crazy point and they had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL, is it that guy who you paid him $90 million guaranteed off of? Hmm, which one do we think this <laughs> is? And now all of a sudden the schedule gets a little harder you know, his offensive line gets banged up. All this stuff happens, and Daniel Jones stinks. And he and Dable are on the sideline, you know, basically having it out. Not like a major screaming match, but you could tell they were frustrated with each yeah. other. And Dable wasn't good last night either. So what what could Daniel do, Jones do well? He could do one thing. Run he could, he could run. He could run for his life. Last night, look at his, his line. It's interesting. 27 for 34, 202 yards. That's not bad. I'll well. take 27. But every <laughs> pass was one yard and then two picks. And a really bad fumble, which I blame him on. You said that you weren't a hundred. He was getting chased, but you got to know, just dude, just go down. You had no prayer to escape that play. Yeah, it was kind of like he's getting chased from behind, like the, from yeah. his um, blind side, if you will, and right. he's running away from him. The guy got him from behind and then caused the fumble. It's like, yeah, your internal clock's got to be better, but you are also not anticipating your left tackle is going to get be that badly. Or oh, maybe you should have. Uh, but he did have ten carries for sixty-six yards, which is total Daniel Jones. It's 14-3 to in the third quarter. They do drive down to the four-yard line. The Giants could have made it 14-10. to They had chances to get in the game. The Seahawks didn't really blow them off the field. No. Then there was a pick six. Now, every time there's a pick six, you blame the quarterback, of course. And everyone's blaming Daniel Jones. Devin Witherspoon, who had the pick six, said, oh, we knew he was going to stare at his first target. You never want to hear that, especially from a rookie cornerback. Yeah. But the Giants receiver, Paris Campbell, did trip on the play I just have a, a hunch that the receiver did something wrong. Well, Daniel Jones did take the blame for it. Uh, let's hear from Witherspoon. Yeah. Can we, uh, Pete, how about cut 14, please? Uh, Witherspoon talking about Daniel Jones staring down his receiver. We were just trusting the uh, game plan the coach Blitt laid out for us. Um, we knew he liked to stare down his first target. So he had his back turned. A lot of guys is when they went on matchups up front, man. Shout out to our D-line. Uh, without them, we couldn't make the plays that we made. When it's clinical like that, just like that was just the facts. Like it comes off as a major criticism, but it was just the facts. And you have a guy who's making forty million dollars a year, and you have a, a rookie corner saying that he's staring down the receiver. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta be better. He's a twenty-two-year-old kid out of Illinois yeah. saying that your veteran quarterback is staring down a receiver. That's fair. I wonder if that's why Brian Dable got so mad at Daniel Jones. I don't blame Jones at all. What was Jones supposed to do last night? There is no time back there. He's clearly freaked out by the rush. I'm not sure any quarterback could save this situation. So I know the conversation in New York's like, what are we going to do with this guy? We're stuck with his contract. I don't know that he's the problem. Do you, do you think he's the big problem? Could someone come in here and fix this? Uh, well, if not Dable, and who, you know, is supposed to be the offensive. I know he's more like a CEO now, but how did he come up and make his bones in the league? Is like being an offensive guy who works really well with quarterbacks. Yeah. And like he won coach of the year last year and their team's a mess now. Um, let's hear from, can we hear from Pete Carroll on the double digit sacks from last night? Everybody figured in on the pass rush today, uh, which was great. Um, but it, it's, it just re reminds us that we're just getting started. We're just getting going. We're just putting it together. And, and a night like this for our defense to be able to play that that explosively in three turnovers and whatever, double-digit sacks. I can't remember seeing double-digit sacks. It's like, man, we really smoked them. <laughs> we really, really smoked uh, As far as what do they do at quarterback, listen, this is a bed that the Giants made themselves, that they have to lie in now for the next two years. And it was a mistake to pay Daniel Jones. And it was fool's gold 
of what last season was. It was an easy schedule. It set up well for them. They got the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs, who everyone by every metric said that their record was not who they were. Vikings kept winning all these one-score games, had a lot of luck. Giants went in there and beat them. And then when they faced your Philadelphia Eagles in the next round, then we really saw the difference between a great team and a not great team. So what were they supposed to do this offseason? Not bring back Daniel Jones? You know, I always thought the smarter thing would have been to put Jones on the franchise tag for one year and try to get something done with Saquon Barkley. Now, that wouldn't have been great either. Barkley wasn't even playing last night because he's injured. But... To commit to Jones, yes, it's only two years, right. but like, then where do you go? So now in two years, are you starting with a rookie? Are you trying to bring in a veteran quarterback? Like, what's the plan? Well, this year, what were they going to do this year? If they didn't have Jones in, they were either going to franchise tag him at $40 million a year or sign him for two years at $80 million. I understand their thinking. They're like, well, what are we going to do? We don't want him for one year. What if he blows up this year? Then we're in a really bad spot. So it's only two years. In quarterback time, is that so much? So they're stuck with Daniel Jones. Just run him into the ground. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this this year it? looks like it's going bad. But next year, bring in, you could bring in a rookie. You might have a top 10 pick. And you have one year of Daniel Jones at $40 million. It, it happens. I mean, yeah. you get stuck with these contracts. That's the nature of this quarterback contract situation. I, I don't know. I feel it was only two years. I think that the Giants are going to be okay long term. Bring in a rookie either this year or next year. If This is not going to work. But in the meantime... Daniel Jones can can run. He can save you some games. He can win a couple games with his legs. No? Are you into that at all? I'm not into that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you, by the way, to be fair, just if you're getting to know our show, Maggie has been down on Daniel Jones. I I remember remember (laughs) last summer, she's like, uh, the turnovers went away last year. And I remember you said to me, you're like, I don't know if those turnovers are going to go away forever. The guy, <laughs> the guy fumbles and he, he uh, likes to throw interceptions. And man, you were right on that one. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, as far as like the Giants being okay long term, where's the evidence of that? I mean, since they, they won a, uh, lost a wild card game in 2016. Since then, they won three games, five games, four games, yeah. six games, four games. Last year, won nine, went nine, seven, and one, made the playoffs, as we know, beat the Vikings, right. then lost to the Eagles. And now they have a losing record at starting the season at one and three. Like, it hasn't been great for the Giants in a long time here. Right. Well, it's the morning show now, Maggie. Nowhere to go but up. Let's look optimistic. <laughs> Glass half full. Yeah, right. things are, can it get worse for the Giants? That's something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, I know how it can get better. Tell us. There's a quarterback in Los Angeles right now. How about you just go full tank, bring in Caleb Williams? Okay, here's the thing. We've said full tank for like five teams. I know. <laughs> it's like not everyone is going to be able to do this. Yes, EJ. Yeah, no, no, I agree. That's to me has been the – that should have been the situation from the get-go when yeah. Dayball and these guys got here. Maybe they got kind of lucky or maybe unlucky that Daniel Jones and this team played so well last year. But this is a team we knew had – all these holes, and now they're kind of stuck in no man's land where they have a team that competed last year and probably could beat some bad teams, but we know it's nowhere near the top. They got smoked by Philly last year, smoked by the Seahawks last night, smoked by the Cowboys earlier, and they smoked by the Niners. All the top teams in the the, NFC, Giants have no chance against. So they should have been in the tank a long time ago, and now they're stuck. Also, I mean, it took, like, an epic comeback to beat the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean, really, like, it took every ounce but why are they come stu- back against Why Arizona? are they stuck? They only have Daniel Jones for two years. So why not bring in a rookie? So what? You pay Daniel Jones $40 million next year. You kind of throw away one year. Let a rookie train behind Daniel Jones. I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, Daniel Jones, by the way, went to Duke. He should be smart. I don't know why he makes so many <laughs> dumb plays. Why is football smart and classroom smart so different? 
But if you, this could be a great quarterback draft class. So even if you're not number one, if you don't get Caleb Williams, right. they're drafting a quarterback. That's going to happen. And you know Brian Dable pretty well. Yeah, he he helped develop Josh Allen. I think he can can bring on a young guy. So what? They whiffed on Daniel Jones. It's just two years, Maggie. Two years <laughs> in our lives. That's nothing. <laughs> Yeah, say that to a Giants fan. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. We say uh, good morning to the Weedos and the coffee drinkers. Now, in the chat, youtube.com slash CBS Sports Radio is where you can watch the show. Of course, we say a top of the morning to our incredible CBS Sports Radio affiliates, who we appreciate so, so much. If you want to listen along on the free Odyssey app, you're welcome to download that. It's crystal clear. Also, Sirius XM Channel 158. There's so many ways that you can hang with us this morning. It's an ex- exciting day here, too. One of us has a team in the MLB postseason. Yeah. I, Maggie, this, is, this is the start. EJ, Maggie will not let me talk about the Phillies. She just is anti-Phillies. now. I just end yeah, the playoffs. You're, you're, you're totally out man here, by the way. You have three Mets fans here. Yeah, I mean, I we're know. not trying to hear about the Phillies. EJ, don't even let the audience know we got three Mets fans in the room. <laughs> we're trying to get these people to like us. Like, I, I can't like let that be our calling card. It makes you more relatable to have a losing team like that. So Maggie came in on Monday morning just <laughs> glowing you. from the Bills victory. We, fa- we have this dynamic now. Now I find myself rooting against the Bills. I can't deal with a happy Maggie on Monday morning. <laughs> that's, that's just no good. Yeah. So she's rooting against you're rooting against the Phillies. Just admit it. Oh, I, to the deepest level, <laughs> to a cellular level in my body. It's not just like oh, on the surface. What do you think about the Phillies? They suck. No, no, no. This is like a molecular thing. I all throughout head to toe, I'm rooting against the Phillies. All right, yeah. all right. Well, they're easy to root against. I mean, what's so easy? They're a completely lovable team. Yes, but this was a team that once upon a time decided to employ Chase Utley. So. Forget it. You're dead to me now. He's my least favorite player of all time. Uh, 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. All right. So much to do. Want to hear from you. Seahawks. Does this feel like an elite team? And then for the Giants. I mean, Daniel Jones. They got no one to blame but themselves. Again, glad to be with you on the morning show. Hey, we've got a major announcement coming. You guys are going to learn, hopefully learn, and hopefully like something about this show, which is we make bets with each other. We put things on the line. It's called stakes. You know, we like to raise them. We don't like to just throw out things willy-nilly. If we're going to say something, we're going to stand behind it. And one of those bets is going to be paid off this week. Ooh, which one? You're going to find out after the break. Big bet coming. It's getting paid off this week. And it's going to be bad for Perloff. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Got more details on the other side. 855-212-4CBS. Don't move. It's Maggie and Perloff on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. Maggie, I got to give Troy Aikman a lot of credit for the call last night. Early on in the game, he started focusing on rookie Devin Weatherspoon on the Seahawks. Yeah. Saying how versatile he is, how many different things he can do. Devin Weatherspoon proceeds to dominate the entire game and two sacks for a cornerback. It, it feels like the Legion of Boom is back. It is unbelievable performance. A little worried about the offense. Geno Smith got injured, came back, but the Seahawks certainly look like a legitimate threat in the NFC. Uh, before we get to the phone calls, Pete, can we play cut number 18? This is Geno Smith on the hit that took him out of the game briefly with, what was it, a knee? Looked like an ankle, but they it was said more knee. of a knee. Yeah, but it did feel like an ankle. You know, initially, I really just was, you know, 
kind of in shock a little bit um, just from being rolled up on and having my leg uh, pretty much trapped under the guy. And so um, it, there was, you know, some slight pain. But overall, you know, I was just happy that I, you know, came out okay. Yeah, and, you know, thought it was a bit of a dirty play. Uh, I mean, listen, he was definitely going out of bounds. He was clearly going out of yeah. bounds on the sideline. And, you know, those kind of tackles now where you kind of had him on the sides of the shoulders too, not a full horse collar, right. but pulling him down from behind, that usually gets called in this league. Yeah, and Gino came after the Seahawks, ran out on the field and tried to pick a fight, and yep. then you saw how frustrated he was. I'm not sure they needed to bring him back last night. It was 14-3, to and the Giants were not threatening, but I guess that's close enough, and he did look good when he came back. Yeah, you really want to leave no doubt there. Like, Drew Locke was okay, ends up with yeah. the big touchdown to Noah Fant, where Fant really did a lot of the work there going down the sideline. Um, yeah, Drew Locke had a nice 15-yard run. He, yeah. I, Drew Locke was going to win that game, too, but I, I guess the Seahawks didn't know that at the time. Um, quickly, let's go to the phones, uh, shall we? Dan is in California. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. What do you think about the Seahawks? <laughs> well, I'll tell you from the perspective of being a Niners fan for several decades, the Niners look to me like, uh, I know you're not old enough to remember this, but the 88 and 89 teams back-to-back just dominant. I, I think they they only lost one or two games each season, one back-to-back Super Bowls. And if uh, Roger Craig won the fumble the next year, they might have had three in a row. Uh, they just got so many great players on defense. And offense, yeah. Uh, Brock Purdy has six or seven lethal weapons. Just get him the ball in the open, they can go get another fifteen, twenty yards. So, I was going to ask you. I mean, the schedule's weird because they play them twice within three games. They play yeah. them on Thanksgiving. Yep, they're the nightcap on Thanksgiving, on December tenth. Yep. Whereas they played the Rams the second game in the season and took care of them rather easily. But I think the Rams are improving a lot, and they play them on the last game. Yeah, and that, that actually could be for a lot. We weren't sure. And Dan, thank you for the phone call. It's a, great, it's a great idea and a great thought about, listen, the clear advantage here for San Francisco over the Seahawks is San Francisco's offense is way more explosive than Seattle. It's not that Seattle has bad receivers. Lockett, Metcalf, you know, JSN hopefully is going to have a good rookie season. But And the running backs we already talked about. But, of course, like the 49ers will beat you 100 different ways. Yeah, and the Niners beat the Seahawks three times last year. The playoff game had some moments, but wasn't really that close. Was it there is he has a great point. The Niners have so many star players on both sides of the ball. I know they tend to get injured, but you could go I mean, they probably have two of the top five defenders in the league in Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. And then there's five offensive stars. There's no team like that. Very different than the Bill Walsh Niners. That was all offense to me. Yeah. This team is really ferocious on defense, but it does feel dominant. And I you did pick the Seahawks to win the division. I love the Seahawks. I just worry about the Niners over their shoulder. Well, I was worried because the Niners tend to get injured. And I'm yeah. like, and uh, Brock Purdy was coming back from this elbow injury and what's going to go on there. But what we're learning now with this with the 49ers is it might not matter if guys go down here or there. I don't know about losing McCaffrey. Seems like that would be a huge blow to the offense. But there's so many other guys who can fill in the holes. I don't know if one or two injuries is going to derail this team. No. Uh, Brock Purdy getting injured would be interesting. I still... A guaranteeing Sam Darnold's going to win a playoff game, yeah, and I'm no. going to 
I'm going to rub that in your face. Sam Darnold's winning a playoff game, Maggie. Get used to it. (laughs) I've watched so much Sam Darnold. This is not personal at all. You haven't watched Kyle Shanahan, Sam Darnold. The dude's a delight. I mean, he took losing very, very well, was always very classy, professional about it, but I've just watched, I've wasted so much of my life watching Sam Darnold and the pros. I can't do it anymore. Uh, Monty is in Calgary before we get to Andrew Bogish and his headlines. Hey, Monty, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. What do you have for us? I just wanted to welcome you guys to the mornings. I've been listening to the DA show on this network for the last few years up here in Canada. And uh, I want to give you guys a shot, and I think it's going great so far. I wanted to give my take on last night's game. Being a lifelong Seahawks fan, I spent the first half and the third quarter basically laughing because (laughs) to think that that is an elite team, my Seahawks is really a joke. They are not going to win the division. They are a playoff team, but as far as going anywhere, it's just not going to happen. You can't take a Giants team that is so pathetic like that yeah. and keep them in the game at 14-3 to for three-quarters of the game. They should have been blown out in the first half. All of those sacks were all just paper because all you've got is a makeshift offensive line that couldn't give Daniel Jones a blink before yeah. he was sacked. It just made me laugh. Monty. Uh-huh. the Seahawks, and I hope they do good, but I don't think it's going to happen. Monty, thank you for the call. A sobering uh, a, a sobering evaluation, but also a nice, you know, welcome to the mornings. As we yep. said, we love DA. We're friends with DA. We're so happy for his opportunity moving on to Serious, yep. and we're excited to get a chance with the D-Aliens. I have a bunch of friends from Calgary or who are in Calgary, former NHL guys, so I uh, love Calgary. Have not been there, but I want to go there. Uh, that is the great question about last night. Are the Seahawks that good? Or was it because they were playing the Giants? I think we might need all show to figure that out <laughs> because the Giants sure make other teams look good. All right, let's get to Andrew Bogish, who's got some headlines for us. Good morning, Bogues. How you doing? Good morning, everybody. Good to see you again. Headlines are sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Those Seahawks had control of Monday Night Football the way Perloff thought the Chiefs had control of Sunday Night Football. (laughs) But the Seattle lead was just 14-3 late third quarter with Daniel Jones back to throw for a touchdown. Right foot ahead of his left. Shotgun snap. Cuts back three. Runs right throw. Intercepted. It's picked up on the play with his throw. The five on the numbers upfield. The 20. The 30. Breaks a tackle. 50. Angles to the middle. The 30. The 20. Far side. 10. 5. Foot race. Touchdown. Touchdown. It's a Seattle pick six. It was Kevin Harlan on a Westwood one. 97-yard pick six for rookie Devin Witherspoon. It was a long run aided by some faster blockers. We just don't get caught, but I'm really mad at Reed and J-Love because they made me look slow. They they came and walked me down they made me look slow, but shout out to them for sure. But I was just trying to get to the the box, man. That was an incredible moment for me. Um, first career pick is a pick six on Monday Night Football. Man, just you don't get no better. The play ended the game. Maybe it ended the Giants' season. They're one and three with the Dolphins and Bills coming up next. Seattle, meanwhile, is to three and one. Witherspoon had a two sacks to that pick six. His team had eleven sacks while forcing three giveaways. The Giants, less than two hundred fifty yards of offense in the twenty-four-three final. Bogus. I just want to point out one thing. The Chiefs were never losing that game on Sunday night. They if if Patrick Mahomes runs in at the end and they cover the spread, it's thirty to twenty, and nobody looks and said, "Wow, the Jets were really close." 
Honestly, the Jets were just as close as the Giants last night. That was not a game on Sunday night, and I don't care what you say. I don't care, and you can't text me in the middle of the night saying that Zach Wilson outplayed Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and sending me analytics. Next, you're going to tell me Daniel Jones outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Just stop. No, 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 but Zach Wilson outplayed Daniel Jones. Zach Wilson's now the better New York quarterback. Well, I that's mean, not saying talk much. Talk about a race to the bottom. <laughs> oh, that is claim to fame there. I'm raise the banner. You're better than Daniel Jones. Ah, whatever uh, makes you sleep well. What else you got? <laughs> let's swing around the rest of the NFL. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor says Joe Burrow and his calf healthy enough to continue running the offense. It's apparently a bone bruise and a muscle strain for Kenny Pickett's left leg. He has not been ruled out yet for Sunday against the Ravens. And Rams head coach Sean McVay says Matthew Stafford should be good for Sunday despite hurting a hip last weekend. They play the Eagles this weekend. Uh, So we learned yesterday that Maggie has no time for mustaches. But what about Jimmy Butler's emo hair? Bam Adebayo tries to explain. Uh, Yeah, I... I mean, he's just misunderstood. He's going through, you know, this. You know, we all go through phases in our lives. He, he, he didn't hit the emo phase when he was twelve. His emo phase is thirty-four. Uh, if anybody didn't see Butler by now, it was the best thing of yesterday. Straight hair, side part, a big swoop over one eye. There was a lip ring. He looked ridiculous. He looked amazing. And I guess this is what he does every media day. He shows up with some kind of wacky costume <laughs> costume hairstyle so here's bam thinking uh this is jimmy asking for help without damian lillard that's how he handles things uh <laughs> we all knew jimmy was different from the moment he walked in this arena <laughs> i mean it was great uh, it was great and he stayed in stayed in character all the whole session it was perfect <laughs> yes he was emo he was feeling it in his feelings a little bit like a like a teenager and I love that this is a reaction to not getting Dame. Like, this is how he processes his feelings of Lillard going to Milwaukee. He just like, I got to just get into my sadness with this hair. Yeah, I'm I'm down for a Bam out of bio, Jimmy Butler sitcom. Bam is a straight man. <laughs> All afternoon, he's just looking at Jimmy Butler. He's like, what's your deal, man? They played together for four years, and it feels like he doesn't understand Jimmy Butler at all. Does that do any of us? I don't think so. The other thing I love, too, about what Jimmy did. So how do we describe this hair? It's straight and flat, like uh, like when women use like flat irons on their hair. It looks like he's part of like Fallout Boy, Andre Three Thousand. Yes, also. Andre Three Thousand, something like that. Hopefully, we're getting the visual. And then the other part that's great about this is whatever photos they take of you in Media Day is the photo that broadcasts will use throughout the year. So anytime the Heat now are playing on national TV, when the headshot of Jimmy Butler comes up, it's gonna be this. <laughs> And he just kept delicately like running his fingers through the part that came down <laughs> over his face and had like a, he- a head tilt to ex- further express his sadness. It wasn't just the hairstyle. It was the entire performance. It was pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, the Spurs and Devin Vassell signed a five-year, $146 million rookie extension. He is the sixth player from his 2020 first round to get one. And John Morant will be allowed to practice and travel with the Grizzlies while serving his 25-game suspension to Wait, start the season. Bogus, quick question about Devin Vassell and this $145 million contract. Who is Devin yeah, Vassell? who is this guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and well, why are they getting $145 million? So he's a young man. Uh, I actually saw him play at Florida State, if memory serves correct, and he did somehow average 18 points a game last year, but I guess when you're on the Spurs and we only care about the final score, so you're losing to get Webb and Yama, that we miss you scoring 18 a game, but... 18 a game's legit in the NBA for anybody. 
That's a lot of money, though, <laughs> for $145 million, You know, I, I guess in the NBA, it's not anymore, but that was crazy. And it's double what Keldon Johnson gets, and he was their best player before Webanyama, so I don't know how... And But you would know this better. Isn't the NBA numbers, those are basically like set in stone, are they not? Like they're, yeah. they're yeah. like produced by formulas or whatever, so that's just what you're going to sign if you're a first-round pick from 2020, right? Yeah, it's like slotted, right, uh, on a certain number of things. But I I definitely know who Keldon Johnson was. And I was like, mm-hmm. hmm, Vassell. Let me Google that. Well, asking for some cash now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Maybe let me find uh, Last but not least, uh, some baseball non-playoffs for the moment. Uh, the Angels are not bringing back manager Phil Nevin after their latest disappointing season. Uh, two years, 30 games under 500 for Nevin this year. They were both 17 games back in the AL West and in the AL wildcard chase. We know all the drama. Shohei, Trout, another disaster, and another new manager for the Angels. I believe this will be number four in six years since Mike Socia stepped away. Guys, back to you. Bogus, thank you so much for those headlines. And, you know, the San Antonio reminded me of something. This is another bet that we have going on. This mm. one's easy, and then I'll set up the one that's going to get paid off today So or this week. So Perloff is so convinced that Victor Wembenyama is not going to win Rookie of the Year. Nope. That he said if he does, if the French windmill ends up winning Rookie of the Year, Perloff will drive to San Antonio. From New York. Right. And I will hold up a sign on the Riverwalk that says, I am sorry, Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> and I'll, I'll write it in French. <laughs> Je suis désolé, Victor Wembanyama. Wow, well, good flex there. I don't so, even, by the way, I'm not sure that means I'm sorry. <laughs> it could mean, it actually means, I want another souffle. Yeah. I don't know what it means. <laughs> it means, can I have a sandwich, Victor Wembanyama? So that is one bet, but we've got to wait a while to see if Wemby oh, yeah. actually wins rookie of the year or doesn't. The bet that's going to get paid off this week that is happening this if week. If I can interrupt, Maggie, for yeah, a second. You go don't ahead. know this story. The, the the first time I really hung out with Perloff was filling in for you one day. Yeah. And one of the topics was coming up with a slogan for tanking for Web and Yama. And my suggestion rattled Perloff so much that we couldn't use it on the air. And then I <laughs> never was asked back. So I was afraid <laughs> for months that my one suggestion had ruined what could have been a really deep professional and personal relationship, <laughs> but now here we are back together. Wait, again. what was it? It was it. Is it? What was it like? X- X-rated? Yeah. It was sell your mama for Web and Yama. <laughs> joke, you you had human trafficking concerns. Yeah. So we didn't use it. I'm not sure what it even means. Sell your mama for Web and Yama. You would do anything, including sell your mama to get Web and Yama. Yeah, I understand it. That makes perfect sense. You were worried about Thank human you. trafficking, bogus. I yep. think that's brilliant. Money. Thank you, Maggie. So good. Anyway, uh, that was. I- I'm so glad we got that cleared up. If I had been there, I would have just coined you a genius. We would have trademark t-shirts. ready. I know. Where's the merch? Um. Anyway, so thank you, Bogus. This is pretty awesome. So the bet that's going to be paid off this week, this is happening, everybody. Set your watches. Yep. Friday. Perloff decided to bet me, and I don't know what you were thinking when you bet this, that somehow Joe Burrow was going to take less money than Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you thought this was going to well, happen. <laughs> I was mistakenly under the impression that Joe Burrow was a team player, wanted to win Super Bowls, <laughs> that he was Tom Brady. I thought he was the reincarnation of Tom Brady, who famously took less, or Patrick Mahomes. Turns out Joe Burrow 
is all about himself. And look what's happened <laughs> since he signed that record-breaking contract. Yeah, well, he got injured in training camp. And I was like, all right, well, if he wasn't going to take more now, he definitely is now that he's with the calf. Anyway, Perloff thought he was going to take less than Herbert. I'm like, all right, well, I'll I'll make that bet with you. He's going to take more than Justin Herbert. And how much more did he take? Like a half a million bucks, but whatever. This is He took more. And for losing this bet, Perloff now has to eat a bowl of Skyline chili with no hands. Mm. And I understand Skyline chili, it's it's not exactly like chili that you normally think of. It's more like soup. Yeah, saucy. I wouldn't wear that Phillies jersey on Friday. <laughs> yeah, well, we all would. Uh, I think you got to go poncho here. Perloff said yesterday he's worried about drowning. Yeah. Suffocating? Well, I have what no were you hands. About? I have no hands. by chili. How's that gonna happen? Death I, by asphyxiated chili. by skyline chili. Because <laughs> what if it gets in my nose and bl- blocks my breathing? Whatever. Yeah, then just take your face out of it for a you second just and breathe. Back. I'm not gonna be like there, shoving your face in it like uh, I'm dunking in the toilet. It. Yeah. <laughs> giving him a, a skyline swirly. Yeah, right. Well, none of you That's guys funny. are eating the skyline chili, so we, of course you're not at risk. Can I also just mention that when we first made this bet, we were doing an afternoon show. I feel like eating skyline chili at 8 a.m. hits different than 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, that part doesn't bother me. I'm actually for- really looking forward to eating the skyline chili. That's going to make for some fun experiences elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Clear the bathroom for two hours. Oh, boy. So, Are you kidding me? If, of the food bets that I've made, this is relatively safe in the bathroom area compared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perloff's put all types of spicy chicken wings and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, so bowl of skyline chili, no hands. This is pie eating contest style with the hands behind your back. And that's right. going to happen on Friday, everybody. Yeah, I mean, listen, you think it's not just the drowning in Skyline Chili. It's the cheese and, you know, cheese. Am I wearing goggles? Like, my eyes could get, uh, you know, get some cheese in my eye. <laughs> this is a very dangerous, dangerous <laughs> thing I'm doing here. I don't know if I even have to do this. Is HR approving this? You know what? HR, surprisingly, they came back with two enthusiastic thumbs up. <laughs> when you ate peanut butter, they stepped in like uh, they were stepping in front of a Mack truck. But for this one, they're like, full speed ahead, guys. Godspeed. Good luck. I could lose my eye to a shard of cheese, and you guys don't even care. I thought people were nice in the morning. No, we're not. We're mean. We're still waking up. Yep. And we're going to be waking up to you eating chili with no hands on Friday. So there you go. 855-212-4CBS. Again, thank you, Andrew Bogus. 855-212-4227. Coming up, the latest head coach who's in a lot of hot water. We get to that in moments. Don't move. More Maggie and Perloff on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, welcome to Maggie and Perloff. Does anyone else think of Pulp Fiction when this? Oh, definitely. 100%. It's a great great, uh, movie song like mix, you know? Yeah, what well, association? Who, actually, I don't even know who's the song by. I forgot. Dick Dale and the Deltones. Oh, Dick Dale. Okay. There you go. Hey, welcome to the show. Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff. We just listen to music here. <laughs> it's a new twist on a sports talk radio show in the morning. We're, we're actually, if you're listening to us on radio, we're dancing right now. Yeah, Uma Thurman and uh, Travolta. Travolta style. And Uma Thurman was so hot in that movie. I was her for Halloween once. Like, I tried to replicate it, her in that movie. Like, with the wig. Like, I bought a wig and everything. So cool. I didn't come close. (laughs) And no one knew who I was.
855-212-4CBS. Maybe they did. I don't know. It's college. 855-212-4CBS. It's all haze. Uh, let's go to the phone. Speaking of hazes, uh, Sean is in Oregon. Sean, a diehard Weedo. Sean, what's up, dude? Hey, you guys. What a game that was last night. I don't know how many people waking up in New York watched it last night. It only ended, what, about seven hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but. the Giants fans are crying, but what are you going to do? Daniel Jones stinks. Those Giants fans left. They didn't even watch the game. I mean, those are lame fans. Uh, would you? I mean, Sean, I can't kill the fans for wanting to get home on a Monday night. That was not a fun product. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's just a terrible look. I mean, I stay up in Seattle and watch Seattle lose and drive home from Seattle all night. <laughs> Apparently so, there were I mean, Seahawks chants going throughout the crowd. Yeah. There were tons. Of, I saw, walking on the streets of New York, I saw Seahawks jerseys all over the place yesterday. And how about Sunday night? Apparently the stadium was like half red because of the Chiefs and suddenly the Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> yeah. Who are also Chiefs fans now. How about Bobby Wagner getting 17 tackles last night? Amazing. How about... You know, you, you know, talk about Geno Smith. Um, going back to the beginning of last year, I think he still is the uh, leading percentage passer. Wait, Sean, you're a you're a Seahawks fan? No, no, I'm a Steelers fan. I can't wait to go up there on New Year's Eve and see the slugfest. But I just, you know, I just always uh, support local teams. There you go. And uh, the Seahawks are a good team around here. But a lot of people love them. And uh, Pete Carroll's great. I mean, look what Pete Carroll does. I know. You know, Sean, it's a great call. Thanks for making it. Thanks for waking up with us. And great to hear from you. Perloff, you were talking about it. Like, Pete Carroll, it's funny. We've got two coaches now who are in their 70s in the NFL. And Pete Carroll is sprinting down the sidelines and reinventing the Legion of Boom. And on the other side, you've got Bill Belichick whose team looks like they've fallen completely off the cliff, at least on the offensive side. Uh, Their 38-3 loss, worst loss Belichick suffered, worst halftime loss, uh, deficit he's ever had. So they're 1-3. I I hate to say this. Sunday, October 8th, New Orleans, this Sunday, that's a must-win game. If they they don't win that game, they're not going to be competitive this year, and I think Belichick's in big trouble. I think Robert Kraft, the owner, is ready to move on. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that Pete Carroll has going for him that Bill Belichick doesn't. At least Pete Carroll has a GM. Like, John Schneider, I think, is a good general manager. There's been misses, for sure, like all GMs, but look at the rookie class this year. Look at what they did with the Russell Wilson trade. Like, look how ahead of the curve they look in even trading Wilson, who so far the Seahawks have totally won that trade. So, you know, Belichick as his own GM, I think, is turned out to to be tough and, and, and not be a you know, that was a terrible idea for him. He's he's done it this way mm. forever. But Belichick as the coach, I'm still scared of him. He still lives rent-free in my head. Belichick's made some good picks. I mean, Christian Gonzalez, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Christian yeah, Gonzalez. Gonzalez looks like a, his study just got hurt. Cole Strange last year is really good, too. So I don't know if it's the players. Honestly, I, I think it's, and I don't know if it's Belichick. I think his assistants have been questionable. Mm. In the sense that he has his son doing an important role in the defense. Yeah. Last year he screwed Mr. up the Mullet. offensive coordinator going with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Bill O'Brien's back. Does Bill O'Brien still have his fastball? Well, I mean, I think Bill O'Brien was going to look like Bill Walsh compared to the Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. But he definitely has not. And also he has a quarterback, Mac Jones, who's built for 1988. And Bill Belichick's <laughs> heyday. He's, he can't move. When he runs, it looks like Tom Brady, Jeez. except he can't throw like Tom Brady. 
this is a mess. I, I think it's going south. This loss to the Cowboys made me think, oh boy, they're going to get blown out a few times this year. Well, and if they do decide to move on from Belichick, first of all, who are you replacing them with? You just mentioned Bill O'Brien. You're going to do that. I mean, he did have some success in Houston. No, You're going to no, put no. Gerard Mayo there. I mean, whoever's the guy after the guy, it's going to be tough. Well, I think they should go the exact opposite. Who's the exact opposite of Bill, uh, Bill Belichick? You. <laughs> That's true. Rex Ryan. <laughs> no, Rex I, Ryan. Think, <laughs> I think you go for Lincoln Riley or something. somebody out of the Sean McVay, Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury, fast-paced offense. Bring some life into that team. Just go opposite of – I mean – Bill Belichick's running a ball control offense with Mac Jones, a quarterback. Forget that. Bring in an air raid system and just go all out different Belichick. Okay, but unless you actually get one of those guys, like you can, you are not going to get McVay. Like he's under contract. He just got a contract extension. I, Lincoln Riley, he pays no attention to defense. Like you still have to be a complete team in the NFL if you have a prayer of actually succeeding. Oh, they would be lucky to get Lincoln Riley. Okay, but if you don't actually get that guy or get like you're just taking a shot on an unproven assistant and somebody who's done like who's doing it under you know Sean McVay or someone who's doing it under Lincoln Riley or something like that. Well, I mean, Bill Belichick was once that guy. That's how you make great coaches. Sean McVay was once that guy. Well, so but they Belichick could do that. had had coaching experience in Cleveland before he went back to the Jets and then went to New England. I mean, he had some experience as a head coach. Well, right, but every great coach was a defense coordinator and offensive coordinator at some point. I I, had a, I yeah. just think that they need to start over. I'm every team has to rebuild. They've had 20 years of being awesome. At a certain point, it's yeah. going to fall apart. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday. Tom Landry, you would have thought he'd coach the Cowboys forever. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Vince Lombardi in Green Bay. And at some point, these coaches, they just lose it somehow. Wait, and but- I don't even think Belichick at 70, I think he's more likely to go to TV than coach again. I don't think he wants, is he really going to coach again and build another team like the Patriots? It took him years to build that culture. I would never be more sure of anything in my life that Belichick would be terrible at TV. Have you ever seen that guy smile? It looks <laughs> uh-huh. like he's looking straight into the sun. He's like, yeah. It's like he's so not, I don't know. Unless that charisma that people have been talking about behind the scenes can really come through. Not only does it have to be real, that charisma, it also has to be able to cut through a like the TV camera and get into your living room. He's going to be up there with, it with Jimmy Johnson and uh you know, Terry Bradshaw yucking it up on the Fox set? No but, shot. But would you be more interested in what Bill Belichick said on TV than any of those guys? He's going to get another job. Yes, I would be. But he's going to get another okay. job. So. I know why you're saying that. It's because of the Don Shula record. You're saying if they fired him, he would take another job just to try and get the all-time wins record. And also, I think to probably show Robert Kraft and his son, like, I still have it. I think Belichick has major bleep you energy and it would be like, hey, look at what Tom Brady did. Everyone thought that Tom looked bad. He looked, you know, shot. He ends up going to Tampa. They win a Super Bowl in the first season. I think Belichick would go and try to win again. And guess what? It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, who's to say? I, I, You and I look at Belichick a little bit differently, you know? And I think maybe it's just run its course in, in New or, England. Or, I mean, or is it because there's no Tom Brady? Well, right now, that's the narrative. Like, right now, Brady's won. I mean, Brady, the worse the Patriots are this year, like Sunday, the better Tom Brady looks historically. Oh, it's over. I mean, unless Belichick goes to, like, the, I don't know, Raiders and wins a title or something, Brady's not. Brady's won. This is game, set, match on this. I was thinking about what team would he end up with next. I know Josh McDaniels is a Belichick protege, but Vegas jumped to my mind, too. But Brady is a part owner. Ooh. Does that make it better or worse? Probably better. I don't know. You always think Tom Brady's coming out of retirement. Belichick lands in Las Vegas, <laughs> brings back Tom Brady. 
Love it. Uh, which NFL starting quarterback is in danger of losing their starting job? We get to that in moments. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff on CBS Sports Radio.